You are listening to the Life Out Here podcast, Episode 8, Chapter 10, Far-Flung Horizons, and Chapter 11, Mile Zero. Welcome to the Life Out Here podcast. I'm Kathleen on Faith and Life Out Here in Alaska, where stories of real-life highs and lows on America's last frontier are sure to entertain, encourage, and challenge you. Please enjoy today's episode. The following is a special presentation of the story, North to Alaska, which is now available on KathleenElizabeth.com. Chapter 10 Far-Flung Horizons Shadowed only by a park ranger hat, her smile was sunlight. Of course we could pass through, so long as we did not stop. The Kootenai Highway became the Banff-Windermere Highway, roughly 103 kilometers of storied asphalt through Kootenai National Park to the Trans-Canada Highway. Morning sun reflected off the canyon as an iridescent copper and vermilion glow. Shadowed Ponderosa were a cool slate blue. A valley of stately firs and larch and poplars grew in steep waves up mountainsides, the snowy peaks of which touched a sapphire sky. I put on Jackson Brown. His solo acoustic volume one became my album of the trip. The cold Kootenai River wove back and forth under the highway, its turquoise waters shallow and rushed, slipping over sprays of speckled light and polished driftwood. Then, I recognized the valley of my childhood memories, which, until that moment, had been the hazy kind of memory you can never quite place. My heart had responded to this place decades earlier, and I remembered why. Skiffs of daisies, spangled lime-colored grasses, gathered like sea foam at the bases of emerald evergreens, some squatty and some spindly spears. The land was scarred near Vermilion Crossing, where the boundary line between British Columbia and Alberta ushers you back over the divide. Blackened toothpick trees, purple and white wildflowers. It was a gentle climb, and through my rear view, I watched Zach catch up and fall back with the rolling road and other motorists. The peaks of Banff were shipwrecked steamboats. They watched us pass by on our way to the Trans-Canada Highway, a congested thoroughfare we abandoned a few kilometers short of Calgary. Google Maps took us down the cowboy trail through First Nations Territory, Highway 22 to Whitecourt. At a glittering truck stop, I behaved as I do on any Montana reservation, respectful and friendly, and like I had always planned to buy their $6 turkey sandwich. Zach held out for the Cranmore A&W. The east side of the divide always seems blonde as sand and never-ending, and steamboat silhouettes now filled a far-flung horizon. The Rockies receded. I kept glancing back at them until it seemed the sky might have been ripped from the seam of the jagged earth. Then they were indistinguishable. I was further north than I had ever traveled, and what is there besides the gentle Ozarks back east and the Rockies of home? 
Rural Alberta was all yellow canola and unripened berry fields, cattle companies, and straight roads pocked with the scars of harsh prairie winters. Alberta's rodeo country. I saw road signs for places called Cremona and Drayton Creek or Mayerthorpe. I listened to Emma Thompson read Emma to pass the time. It was lonely country. Starbucks and McDonald's and Taco Time appeared on the blazing horizon where darker clouds gathered. White Court was a sundown town that seemed to never sleep. The late-day storm brought with it darkness and a rainbow, and evening deer grazing lush meadows. We woke in pitch darkness to a fist pounding on the door across the hallway. I heard loud voices and the deep bellows of a startled dog enough yelling to maybe phone somebody, but a few door slams and the hotel fell quiet. My sleep was restless. A grab-and-go breakfast from a masked attendant and we were on the road to Fort St. John, our first stop on the Alaska Highway that lay somewhere out on the westerly horizon. Chapter 11, Mile Zero. Just outside of Whitecourt, we saw our first moose, her body and folded legs, a dark mound on the shoulder of the highway, her neck outstretched over the white line, her lifeless eyes and closed jaw square on the asphalt. Highway signs called it Moose Row, and amber numbers tracked death rates of moose, the way San Antonio displays Loop 1604 deaths. Moose Row cut through high flat earth covered in half-grown trees, which kept hidden those riparian zones moose loved to haunt. I kept my eyes open for the off-shoulder movement. Fields of trees morphed into fields of canola, yellow as the sun, pleasantly contrasted with the marbled summer sky. Grand Prairie, Alberta, is a sprawling agricultural town, and it's the first town with signs to the Alaska Highway. We stopped for gas and pizza at what I believe to be the last Costco before Fairbanks, Alaska. Grand Prairie to Dawson Creek is river country, and the road meanders over forested plateaus and bluffs. I began to envision Zach and I standing with Rufus and Scout in front of the sign I had seen in milepost advertisements for Dawson Creek, Alaska Highway, Mile Zero. We could park our caravan behind the sign, achieve a triple-layer effect. Where was the selfie stick? I concluded I'd just Clorox my phone if someone else was around to take our epic photograph. The sign was a few kilometers away. It had to be. I scouted the roadside for a truck stop I had never actually pinpointed on the map. In a small town where the only highway becomes the Alaska Highway, it would be hard to miss the famous Mile Zero, right? We followed big trucks turning left at a short light. The highway kept on through the grasslands and hill country. Do you want to turn around and look for it? The day was young, and Zach heard bitter frustration in my voice. But for me, it was all about that debut moment on the Alaska Highway. The Alaska Highway wasted no time. It dipped low into a river valley, and signs warned extreme grades. We were by then familiar with the feel of a 7, 8, and a 9% grade in both the van and the U-Haul. I had taken the U-Haul 
down an unlabeled steep grade in Montana. But no matter the grade, engine braking in the U-Haul always makes you feel a bit out of control. Bless its oily, metallic soul, the new U-Haul engine does you one better than your classic pumping of the brakes. It decelerates the engine and downshifts automatically, relieves you of the task of braking, though instinct forces you to pump those brakes anyway. It stays stuck like that until you are slow enough to unlock the automated braking and resume normal RPMs, which is a terrifying feature when you need to accelerate. It is a loud experience and makes you feel as if the engine might blow at any moment. I kept an eye on the rearview mirror. Sorry for Zach, relieved not to be in the engine braking U-Haul. There was no escaping the bridge to Fort St. John. At the top of a hill, I saw a river, the Peace River, and its wide dark blue waters glistened. The highway was sloped like a half pipe and the bridge was the bottom of that wide half-pipe, the connector between one high bluff and the other. Fort St. John waited at the top of that other bluff. All that kept us apart was the Peace River, and the scariest bridge known to my life. We began our descent, and I pumped my brakes. At the bridge, I wanted to cry. No pavement, no wooden planks, no dirt. It was only a long metal grate that spanned over the Peace River, the kind of grate rainwater spills into and from which steam rises to vaporize on city sidewalks. Speed limit signs advised that I cross slowly. The tires over metal grate made a whirring noise that rose and fell with the speed of the van. When I looked beside the van door, I saw the rush of green water. Then the lip of old pavement and the soundless feel of asphalt. We climbed the slope to Fort St. John, a city of dam workers that had recorded their first COVID case that week. We were the only U-Haul in sight, the only folks who looked lost. Forget blending into any tourist scene. Forget hesitantly telling strangers, we are moving from Alabama to Alaska. We kept to ourselves, kept to our room except to venture out to taco time in a local kebab place. That's when I began each night to study the milepost in earnest, paying attention to when we could expect high elevation passes, extreme grades, graded bridges. It tells you when bison might cross the road or which gas stations went belly up the year before. The milepost even told me that to stop at mile zero is good luck. I chose to believe our missing of the very start was God's way of proving that a notion such as that is hogwash, a gimmick. Dang it anyway. For all the dam workers and truckers on the highway, Fort Nelson was oddly more residential than industrial. We stayed at the legendary Fort Nelson Hotel in a poolside-facing room that smelled of dog urine and featured a non-working thermostat. It was one of those relic hotels of the recent past, the kind that highlights indoor pool glory and centralized convention space. The theme was Polynesian. We took the dogs on a walk and noticed shuttered buildings either abandoned by COVID or victims of slow-dying tourism. We saw a souvenir shop with No Americans Allowed posted on the glass door. 
Back in the parking lot, I checked the vehicles one more time and swatted at swarms of mosquitoes. When we left the next morning, we finally tried Tim Hortons for sausage biscuits and hot coffee, by then quite tired of the complimentary brown bag breakfast. Fort Nelson to Coal River is the stretch of highway that empties you west of the divide, a final crossing. It proved to be the second trickiest stretch of the whole dang thing. That was Chapter 10, Far Flung Horizons, and Chapter 11, Mile Zero, From North to Alaska, a story now available at KathleenElizabeth.com. This week, I want to know, during your favorite road trip, what was on your stereo? Muse over this privately or offer your insight for polite conversation on the Facebook group Life Out Here. You will find a link to this group on the podcast page at KathleenElizabeth.com. For monthly newsletters and other fine exclusives, become an insider on KathleenElizabeth.com. Subscribe or follow the podcast to keep in the loop. Leave a polite review if you feel generous. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may faith illuminate your life out there.